It sounds unlikely, but we know it. We know this from a new piece in the National Pulse. The National Pulse has been absolutely at the tip of the spear. Raheem Ghassam and Natalie Winters have done more than any institution. This is a great news site. I want to encourage you to, to take a look at it, the National Pulse. I think we're going to see the whole media landscape be radically transformed over the course of the next year or two. And uh, it'll be great for you as a centre-right, well, one of my protégés, if anyone <laughs> I don't know if you want to emphasize uh, Well, that. it's true. <laughs> it's true. It is true. And it is Saturday, February the 5th, the year of our Lord, 2022. What a great start. Uh, I'm Raheem Kassam, Editor-in-Chief of The National Pulse. We're going to be joined by Natalie Winters in just a second. But I wanted to start off today by playing you a little clip from that man we once knew as the Vice President, Mike Pence. But there are those in our party who believe that as the presiding officer over the joint session of Congress that I possess unilateral authority to reject electoral college votes. And I heard this week that President Trump said I had the right to overturn the election. President Trump is wrong. I had no right to overturn the election. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. Under the Constitution, I had no right to change the outcome of our election. And Kamala Harris will have no right to overturn the election when we beat them in 2024. So, that's Mike Pence speaking at the Federalist Society. Going to bring Natalie Winters into the conversation here. And um, making the claim, the false claim, by the way, that somebody had asked him unilaterally to overturn the results of the election. You and I both know dear listener that that is not what the uh what the uh i would say pro uh, election integrity side wanted on january the 6th uh but also i mean there's so much in that 60 seconds to to think about to talk about and even more so if you saw the video uh behind this uh, of this speech because uh, behind mike pence there is a step and repeat a banner and that banner belongs to a so-called conservative uh, legal network called the Federalist Society. Now, the Federalist Society is an incredibly well-funded, uh, well-organized, um, and well-respected, I would say. I, I, I have my reservations about it, but a lot of people respect it. Um, network. But the really interesting thing about this, Natalie, especially given a lot of your coverage behind Mark Zuckerberg, CTCL, and so many of the election law changes and all the fiddling that we saw in 2020. What's very interesting to me about the Federalist Society is they now count Facebook as one of their largest donors. So Natalie, for the purposes of this conversation about what might be driving Mike Pence to stand up on a stage in front of Federalist Society banners and effectively attempting to wash his hands of failing to hold to account the people that fiddled in the election uh, last year? Um, let's talk a little bit about that, especially in case people 
are not necessarily up to speed. Just, 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 just let's do a recap real quick. Sure. Well, when Mike Pence says that, you know, we will beat them at the ballot box next time, that statement is just false if you were to conduct another election the way that the 2020 election was carried out. And I'm, of mm. course, talking particularly about, I think a lot of people have, have chalked it up to privatizing the United States electoral system. But I think that that kind of undercuts the issue and really what we saw happen. So to, to summarize briefly, because again, we don't really even know the extent of the involvement that Zuckerberg and these various kind of nebulous, uh, allegedly philanthropic organizations just plowed hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars into this election. But from what we do know and from what we've covered at the national polls, um, roughly half a billion dollars coming from the Chan Zuckerberg initiative was distributed to several different organizations that their core goal, their sole purpose was really to turn out the vote, but a very specific type of vote. And that is a vote for Joe Biden. And they did that primarily by, by using mail-in voting and, and universal mail-in voting. So in other words, if you want to vote by mail, you can vote by mail. You don't have to really have a, a reason why. And we've mm. seen a lot of states extending uh, this regulation throughout 2022. And a lot of times these groups cited the COVID-19 pandemic as the rationale for doing so. But what was so interesting about, again, this half a billion dollar sum that was given to very, I would say, you know, happy, innocuous sounding groups like the Center for Tech and Civic Life, yeah. um, among many others, um, is that overwhelmingly, and I don't just mean, you know, 50%, 60%, I mean, basically 100%, I'll give you some specific figures in a sec, um, but were used to turn out votes in pro-Biden counties. So uh, people may recall, for those who watched the National Pulse TV show, we had a frequent guest on by the name of Phil Klein with the Amistad Project, um, and they did some amazing, wonderful analysis into the, the spending by the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, and more precisely, the Center for Tech and Civic Life. And they found that 99.4% of Zuckerberg's grants were given to Democrat-heavy districts. And they, they actually did even more in-depth analysis of the largest grants, the, se the 17 cities and counties that received a total of $51 million, um, just under 300000 again, of that $51 million sum um, was given to Republican-leaning counties. So I think, you know, I mean, those are just staggering numbers. Um, we've seen tax returns coming out from these organizations now in the new year, confirming all of this reporting, which was, of course, chalked up to be conspiracies by many mainstream outlets. But I think at the heart and what Mike Pence doesn't understand is that you're talking about a completely different system of elections where it's not about campaigns or candidates or, or messaging or, you know, knocking on doors or turnout or in, in a traditional sense. It's really about allowing these, you know, far left progressive groups, which we've documented who these groups have hired, uh, actually a former chairperson of Democratic Socialists for America is running one of these groups. Right. Um, but it's, right. they, they get to and really curate the electorate and choose whose votes count. And believe me, if you're listening to this podcast, it's likely not yours. And, um, you know, the, the, the people who have gone from that organization into the Biden regime, you know, as 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 staff, the the all of the kind of telltale signs are 
are, are right in your face at this point, right? They're not particularly well hidden. My attitude towards these things, Natalie, is if, if I can find it, if you can find it, then most people can find it. And Mike Pence can certainly find it. Um, his team should be uh, very well aware of what went on. I don't think he's ignorant to the fact so much as he is complicit uh, in in so much of this stuff, and 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 I'll I'll explain that a little bit here because a lot of people I think still have uh, a level of respect for Mike Pence, and and I would say probably I have uh, a, a little scintilla of respect for Mike Pence, but but broadly speaking, I think what he did, and and I'm going to play the clip again in a minute because it, it it bears breaking down some of the terminology that he so intentionally uses. He uses phrases like un-American to talk about what Donald Trump expected of him. What did he expect of him? Was it unprecedented, for instance? The answer to that question is no. We know from several other elections, in living memory, by the way, several other elections being contested at Supreme Court level, state level. Um, we know from the 2016 election that plenty of Democrats got up in the chamber and objected uh, to, the, uh, to, the, to the votes being counted at that point in time by Joe Biden. And we also know from long-standing American uh, history uh, and 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 precedent. For instance, during the 1876 election, we know that there was a commission set up because there was a dis- a, a massive discrepancy between how many uh voters uh, electoral college votes were being cast in in a certain number of states. And before that 1876 election, uh, it didn't look like Rutherford B. Hayes was going to be president. And then after the commission, he was. And, you know, students of history will know all about what occurred as a result of that. And I think we can we can look at some of the things that have happened in this country since the last election of last year and think, wow, you know, the world would be so very different. You look at foreign policy, you look at Europe, you look at China, you look at these Olympics, you look at uh, what's happening in Canada. So, you know, elections certainly have consequences, and, and stolen elections have even worse consequences. So let's listen once again, because I really want people to understand that these words, Mike Pence is not standing up there, um, you know, riffing. These are words on a teleprompter in front of him. These have been worked over by his staff. These have been worked over by him. He is determined to say every single thing that he says here. Let's listen again. I may, I may, I may even interject at certain points. Let's listen. But there are those in our party who believe that as the presiding officer over the joint session of Congress, that I possess unilateral authority to reject electoral college votes. Okay, so let's start with that. Uh, Natalie, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure that anybody was asking him to overturn an election, right? That he was going to bang the gavel and say, you know what, I think Trump should have another four years. That isn't what the point was. The point was to look seriously at the uh, unlawful nature of what you described, Natalie, a lot of the changes that were made in election law, a lot of these drop boxes. You call it privatization. I call it corporatization of the US election system. And of course, to look into all of the other plethora of things, the ballot harvesting stuff, the machines even at the time were a big deal. The point of a presiding officer in an election is 
to factor in all of those things, all of those considerations. If not, why have a presiding officer at all? Why? What is the point of a presiding officer or a returning officer or an elections officer? What is the point of a secretary of state appointing somebody who oversees elections if they don't want to oversee the election? Well, the same can be said of the vice president's role in the chamber in Congress. What is the point of presiding? If, if, you, if you think your job, Mr. Pence, is just to grab an envelope from whomever gives it to you, open it up and say, and the winner is, then fuck off and host the Oscars. Because that is not the job of the Vice President of the United States and it is not the job of the Vice President of the United States when you are the presiding officer in an election, not least a contentious election. And I heard this week that President Trump said I had the right to overturn the election. But President Trump is wrong. I had no right to overturn the election. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there is no idea more. Interesting. The elections, uh, the, the presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. Natalie, it, it seems to me that the presidency was actually bought and paid for by the big money, big tech interest, the Wall Street uh, corporate donors, Mark Zuckerberg and Priscilla Chan, and, uh, you know, the, the gamut of people who interfered in in 2020. I mean, there was more interference from China in the election last year than there was by anybody else, all other nations and all other actors put together in 2016. But And we don't talk about it. We don't even talk about that anymore. Natalie. Well, I also think he's wrong because if you look to states like New York, uh, the future of elections don't just belong to Americans, right? Undocumented people can, can vote now too. But I think... Pence is, is, I mean, his analysis is, I think you make a very astute point and that this is not him just riffing, standing up there. Every word that he's saying is very, very, very calculated. And it's very calculated by the fact of who's sponsoring this event. Of course, right. that is Facebook. Um, I, I, I believe you, you sort of addressed that, but I also think it's worth bringing up that another high-level sponsor of this event that he was speaking at was Claire Locke, which is a law firm uh, that also represents Dominion and many of its high-profile defamation cases um, relating to Fox News, Newsmax, OAN, Rudy Giuliani. Um, again, so I think that, you know, so much of, of the Trump administration and people in that orbit, it was about these ideas that, that you know, we wanted politicians yeah. who weren't beholden to corporate interests, weren't beholden to these special interests and could speak their mind because they could. There were no strings attached. Right. Um, but I think this is just another example of how Mike Pence is just not on, on the Trump train with whether you want to call it that America first, but just politics where there's, you know, I think we, we love to talk about conflicts of interest at the national polls, but this is a perfect example of perfect when you start example. getting money flowing in uh, to the Federalist Society from Facebook, then all of a sudden discourses about elections become very, very neutered, very watered down. And, and frankly, um, you know, you, you saw that, I think, as, as parallels can be can be made to what happened, you know, in these ballot counting rooms. I'm inclined to, to bring up the story, I think, very, very underreported. I know we covered it. Um, but in, in, in a Wisconsin county, um, people resigned 
um, in tears. You can read the emails that were obtained via Freedom of Information Act requests um, over Center for Tech and Civic Life. Again, the Zuckerberg funded group involvement in the elections trying to override these local officials and take over. It got mm. so bad at one point that people from the Center for Tech and Civic Life were given access to these ballots, a host of mail-in ballots, before counting was even supposed to begin. Mm. Um, so when Mike Pence stands up there and says that, you know, American elections belong to American people and American people alone, mm. um, that's a very interesting definition of, of, of what constitutes American people there because it really seems to belong uh, to, you know, far-left progressive activists um, in the bank accounts of people like Mark Zuckerberg yeah. and the allegedly, you know, charitable organizations that they choose to endow. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, we won't spend too much more time on this, but let's just let's listen to the thing he says next. I think very interesting. And the American people alone. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. Well, Mark Zuckerberg would disagree with you, but um, he says they're un-American, and he knows what he's doing, right? He wants the headlines against his former boss, the man that made him vice president, by the way. You think Mike Pence could have made it up there by himself? No shot. But he wants the headlines, and sure enough, you know, the media went along with him, you know, calling Trump un-American. That's what he wants. That's the headline that Mike Pence is trying to get, you know, speaking there in Lake Buena Vista, in front of a Federalist Society banner, the supposedly conservative former vice president is now attacking his old boss, the president of the United States, as un-American. I want people to internalize just how much of a slimy little sellout you have to be to do that. Under the Constitution, I had no right to change the outcome of our election. And Kamala Harris will have no right to overturn the election when we beat them in 2024. Well, firstly, how naive you could be there. She will absolutely do whatever she can possibly do and wield power because... The left does that, and the right just sits along because, oh, well, the technically speaking, the Constitution doesn't say that. Listen, if that were true, I don't know whose accent that was. If that were true, um, why didn't he say that before, right? If he's so certain now, he can stand up on a stage in front of a room full of lawyers, constitutional lawyers, conservative, ostensibly, lawyers, and say, the Constitution doesn't give me the right to do anything. Well, then what was the whole song and dance about before January 6th where he, you know, he was listening to both sides and hearing the arguments and all that stuff? Bollocks, I say. He knew he was going to screw the pooch. He screwed the pooch. That's what happened. And now he's pretending to stand up there and say, oh, this was the case all along. You know, as if, as if this was a new concept to Pence right, going into January the 6th, as if he was sitting down at his desk, you know, with a, a fresh copy of the Federalist Papers and a highlighter and go, mm, yeah, good point. Nonsense. Nonsense. You read between the lines and what Pence has effectively told you there in that last sentence was that he knew all along that he was going to hand the country, frankly the world, over to the left. And now he wants you to believe that he was the good guy. 
in that scenario. I couldn't be more sick apart from what I heard next. Yes, that is a room full of supposedly conservative lawyers applauding that point. You want to know why this Supreme Court is not more conservative, actually conservative? You want to know why there is no Republican lawyer out there? High-profile white-shoe law firms that are willing to support legal actions against the illegality we saw last year? If you want to know why, that's the sound of it. It's these docile, stupid, federalist society sellouts sitting there. Oh, yeah. It's This is the problem with the movement. This is one of the major problems with the movement. You want to you look at the left and the way the left do it? Here's $20 million, Mark Elias. Go and have a great time. Sue everyone for everything, whether you win or lose. It doesn't matter. Make their lives difficult. Aggress them. Here, you've got a room full of lawyers applauding the fact that the vice president who was supposedly the presiding officer at the last election is throwing his hands up and saying you know i couldn't do anything and if i did something it would be un-american unbelievable unbelievable allow me to recant what i just said about having a scintilla of respect left for mike pence it is gone as i think about this more (sighs) that felt good to get off my chest um Nasty. I think unless you have anything else to say left to say on this subject, I think we'll leave it there. But the takeaway is that Facebook is pouring tons of cash into the political right at the moment. Look at the Federalist Society, who their gold sponsors are, Facebook. Look at some of the other groups, the Republican Governors Association, Facebook. They're taking the money, they're flooding the zone with cash. They are making it impossible for right-wing institutions and organizations to effectively do their jobs, to stick to their principles, and to be aggressive against the left by neutering them with pure cold hard cash that is what is happening and if you turn around to me as a movement next year or the year after that and say why didn't anybody tell us this was happening i swear to god i will have a mental breakdown so wild you know it will make it will make jacob chansley look like a normie okay this this is that's the QAnon shaman by the way this is I mean, I am up to my wit's end with this stuff now. Natalie, the number of things that we have said over and over again, and everybody sort of just shrugs. And then after disaster comes knocking at their doors, they go, hey, you guys, can you help us? We kind of got rolled. Yeah, we told you we were going to get rolled. Yeah, we got rolled. I'm done. I'm so done with our stupid, stinking side being stupid and stinking. Um, it's It's... I'm 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 done. You take over. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> well, no, no. I think that you know you can draw a lot of parallels. I focus my reporting uh, primarily on how the Chinese government or the regime seeks to compromise American elites, and I'm I'm all, I always find myself repeating the quote from Sun Tzu: "The supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting." And I think that's exactly what you see going on here with all of this Facebook cash being plowed into really every corner. Mm of this country and particularly the Republican movement, right? Um, you know, it's, it's a lot easier uh, for Facebook to get what they want when they control both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, right? The, the Uniparty. And I, I think it's also very interesting, too, for, from his speech, not to trigger you again by bringing that up. But when he says, we will win in 2024, 
Um, because to me, Mike Pence is not a part of that we right. um, that's going to win in 2024. I think there's a there's a buried lead there. There's a lot to unpack. I think it's an interesting choice of words. Well, if, if, um, if, if you're saying he's running, yes, I would agree with you. I think he thinks he's going to primary Trump. Yes. Yeah, and uh, but best of luck. But I don't think <laughs> that'll pan out too well. Um, but no, no, you, you're you're very. I feel like I sound very calm in comparison to you right now. But it it, it does it does make me make me mad because I see a lot of parallels um, between the reporting I've done with the CCP compromise and that of big tech. Which, of course, we could have a whole conversation on the intersection of the the evil axis between CCP and big tech. There are a lot of similarities, um, but you know, compromise and conflicts of interest and this cash that is plowed into this country for the purposes of of pleasing special interests. It never, ever ends well um, for, for average Americans. Listen, I don't expect you to be as mad as me, right? I'm mad because I've been doing this for, for you know, what feels like 30 years is, is more like 10 or 11 years. And, and, noth- <laughs> and nothing has changed. You know, the, the attitudes haven't changed. I remember sitting in front of this very microphone a year ago today and telling people about Carrie Johnson and Boris and how the whole thing was going to come crashing down. And everybody sort of just looked straight through me. Like, what are you talking about? Who is Carrie Johnson? How does this have any impact on anything? And you look at the entire system falling apart right there, right now. It's un... I can't do it. Um, <laughs> you... Um, <laughs> You have a couple of things to talk about, um, but in the in, in, just before we move on to those things, I want to make sure that we uh, remind people that it is it is extremely important to us, and I mean extremely important. I don't mean this means something to us. I don't mean it's it's fun and it's cool. Um, it is it is critical to the operation of the National Pulse that you get involved at whatever level you can. Now. We have a website. It's fundrealnews.com because that's what we do. We do real news. We do investigations. We pull out buried leads from stories. We connect the dots on so many different things. You heard the singing of the praises of mostly Natalie Winters' work, by the way, in the intro uh, of some of the big figures uh, on the political right. And, and, And there's a lot more, by the way, where that came from. But this isn't about kudos. It's not about uh, a pat on the back. I don't need that. It would be nice, but I don't need that. Um, this is about efficacy. It is about change. It is almost about a total institutional reform about the way the right goes about business. Because there are there are organizations and institutions out there that have hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank, right? And And what do they achieve off the back of it? And meanwhile, here we are, you know, I have a I have a rinky dink little studio here. Natalie doesn't even get to come in here anymore. She's banned. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> um, and you know, we 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 need and employ you for support. So, what does that look like? Well, we have fundrealnews.com. You can come over and uh, five dollars a month come gets over. you into. Well, you know, I can't come over to my house. <laughs> That's not five dollars a month. That's more dollars a month. Um, that's that's eight dollars a month um <laughs> about five dollars a month you get access to a private discord chat channel uh hundreds i think if not over a thousand people are in that discord now um chatting it up all day every day all the subjects breaking news um i go in there multiple times a day again dropping little bits of information knowledge that we have things like that and uh it's just a great scene the other day i did a two-hour town hall 
in there, an audio where people can ask questions and, and, and do real-time feedback and all that. So we did two hours. We intend to do that a lot more. There's other tiers of membership as well where you get other stuff too. You get some swag, you get books, you get all that. And I know a lot of you are not necessarily, you know, you don't need that. You're not necessarily into that. It's just something we do that's nice. You get something for your support for us. So head on over to fundrealnews.com and see what level you want to join at. Don't see if you want to join. See what level you are going to join at. Because the alternative... you get a cool hat. You get a cool hat. Um, the alternative here, new hats, by the way, brand new hats. Um, the alternative here, by the way, is that we just don't exist anymore, right? And that there's nobody doing the work of the National Pulse anymore. So not to be a dick about it, but that's on you guys. Um, we also hope and um, um, we'd be grateful for uh, your sharing of this podcast. You're leaving it a review. You are getting into the comment section. Uh, sharing it with friends, putting it on your social media profiles, getting on Getter uh, if you're not already on there, and getting conversational about the the stories we put out, the stories that are on the website, and of course, the podcast. I have a new Substack. It's just rahimkassam.substack.com. You can sign up with your email address there. All of those things help, right? They all help. They take about three seconds each. So if you can help us out, incredibly grateful. And if you can go to fundrealnews.com, you will be doing something that actually keeps real news going and alive. And I just, I think it's better than giving to politicians, quite frankly. I understand it's an election year, but in as much as you need politicians and campaigns, you need real news. So speaking of real news, Natalie, what have you got for us? Yeah, so much. Uh <laughs> So I, I think that there's a common theme that we've been covering throughout this pandemic and really even I think that the Biden regime and it's something that I find particular take particular interest in because I think it it really is a testament to just the, the incompetence, but not even I think calculated incompetence, which I'm aware might sound a little paradoxical, mm -hmm. of America's elite. And that is that the people who've been tasked to respond to this pandemic whether that's Anthony Fauci, Peter Doshak, um, are, are the very same people who helped create it. Um, and I think even that's the same thing with, with the Biden White House and how they're handling China, right? The reason why we see such an emboldened and aggressive Chinese Communist Party is because of people like Joe Biden and his family members who, who've allowed for that country to rise. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we have put up a lot of stories just in the last, week alone and we have a lot of great Wuhan stories coming coming up in the future, right. the very near future, hopefully. Um, what is that supposed you, to mean? <laughs> no, that was Are you not accusing a big me of being you. slow in my editing process. <laughs> Maybe if you could spell Ukraine, I wouldn't have to edit so much. Anyway, I'm kidding. Go ahead. I feel like I can spell Ukraine. I thought that too yes. until you recently did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't want to know. Um, oh, no. Okay, well, anyway. <laughs> I will work on these Wuhan stories, I promise. I know. I, I'm a very normal 20-year-old just clamoring for uh, you to publish all my Wuhan <laughs> stories. <now. laughs> That's all I want for my birthday. Yeah. Um, no. But I think one of these stories that, to me, was just jarring but also totally believable, um, the Biden regime gave EcoHealth Alliance, which – quick primer. This is the group that collaborated with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, lied about it, 
um, but specifically manipulated these bat coronaviruses to make them more deadly to humans, or as the organization's president, Peter Doshak, says, to make them into, quote, killers. Um, mm. But Biden regime gave EcoHealth Alliance, Peter Doshak's group, the largest grant that it has ever received from the United States uh, Agency for International Development. It's a $4.6 million grant. If you read the subtext of it, kind of all just a, a random mash of words that has to do with conservation. So there's a lot of wiggle room there. So they'll probably find a way to use it to work with Wuhan again. Um, but what's so interesting about this grant is not only that it came in the year 2021 underneath Biden, but it actually came less than one week after the National Institutes of Health sent out that letter where they admitted that EcoHealth Alliance had engaged in gain-of-function research with the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and they had failed to report their findings properly. So to me, that just makes, makes, that makes me as angry as you are about, about the Pence um, speech, because it, it's, just, it's just absolutely absurd. Again, $4.6 million continues through 2026, um, the largest grant they've ever received from USAID. But it gets even worse because, you know, it doesn't seem that these people, these I would really call them pandemic profiteers, people who've just been been in the business of pandemicking, I guess, for, for a very long time. Pandumming. Yeah, no, but, but seriously, people have made their careers and, and I mean, their livings yep. off of preparing pandemic responses. I've been saying and this. And we are. Yes. yes. I'm not trying to steal your you can have it you can have it i don't care i have no i have no pride of authorship over anything i do just use it use it meme this stuff into yes. existence i don't care jack, well, jack does it all the time story. by the way yeah. i'll say something to posobic yeah. on the phone and then two minutes later it's on twitter and it's like trending and i get no i get no credit it's fine it's fine this, this podcast is just a therapy sensor no yes. um but i think i think another Actually, an story <laughs> That's a good idea. Um, another story that I don't know how it didn't go more viral mm. um, is the fact that Fauci, along with two of his colleagues from the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, mm. um, that they penned a, an entire statement, really, really long, um, for the New England Journal of Medicine, where they demand universal coronavirus vaccines. That's the direct quote. Um, but that's kind of like, to me, at least the, the third lead of the entire statement, the, the article that they published, because if you go into it and you read what they're calling for, they call for an quote, international effort um, to basically find coronaviruses that haven't been discovered yet. Yeah. Um, so they can sample them. Um, and this is this is essentially the exact ideology, the exact approach that researchers from EcoHealth Alliance, that this whole pro-international collaboration with the Wuhan Institute of Virology group, um, that they subscribe to and how we got to COVID-19 in the first place, that is hunting down these viruses that you know don't exist, making them more deadly, partnering with people like the Chinese Communist Party, when in return we've received literally nothing from them except seeing that all these 16,000 samples that they gathered from these bats um, with U.S. taxpayer dollars last time we tried all this 
um, things thrown away and basically being, you know, unpersoned or I guess unbatted um, by the Chinese Communist Party and we can't get to them and, and see the sequences. So these people just never freaking learn. And yeah. I don't think they are. And, they, and you know what? And they don't yeah. have to. Right. Right. The accountability. The accountability. Mm-hmm. It is not there. It doesn't exist. There is no... I mean, I don't know if you have... And I've talked to you, Natalie, and I'm talking to the audience at the same time. If you guys have all um, read the real Anthony Fauci book yet. But I, and I have to be honest with you about it. I, I didn't expect much. I thought it would be more uh, illusion and opinionizing and uh, jumping to conclusions. And it's not. It's detailed. It's heavy. It's cite- It's heavily cited. Um, you know, almost everything in there has a date, a time, a reference, a name associated with it. It's such a, it's such a gross distinction between that book and, uh, you know, one of these political books written by, you know, Jim Acosta or something, right? Which is all like, oh, and then a source told me that maybe Trump actually had like a Tony Soprano, you know, had a gun under his table and he was ready to like pop off at somebody when they walked in. You know, they just make these stories up. And then on the other hand, you've got this extremely well-researched, well-written as well, um, tome about all of these people, I guess, um, who have been, (laughs) who have been, I mean, demons, they're demons, but they have been um, coining it in not just as we say, and as you just say, um, on this whole pandemic preparedness, billions of dollars lining their pockets, big pharma, all of this stuff, not just that. But remember, the extent to which the the pharmaceutical establishment, the journals that go alongside them, the politicians and the the kind of military apparatus style with which the NIH is run uh, remember all of these people for decades and decades and decades have lied about lied about different drugs we know how much how many times Pfizer has had to be sued but they've also massively just lied about things like HIV they lied to the people suffering about where their suffering was coming from and how they could uh, you know solve this problem what the linkages were between AIDS and HIV all the whole thing has been one running continuous lie. And if you think that, you know, one story here is going to, you know, be the, be the pin that pricks the balloon or, or something, you know, it, it's not going to work that way. What needs to happen is, is either here on Capitol Hill or, or, or over there at the White House, and it could happen in later, you know, this year, whenever the new Congress is put into uh, effect early next year, or maybe it happens in 2024, I would hope sooner. But there has to be a full investigation, a decades-long investigation into how all of these people work, what the infrastructure is, and critically back to your point, Natalie, what, if anything, represents accountability to these people? Because that is the, I think that is the biggest thing missing from that entire industry right now, missing from most industries right now. But this one has the ability, if not the propensity, to kill people. And they are doing that. So 
you know, wither the accountability? And if, if, if the answer to that is, you know, there can't be any, we're not going to do that investigation, nobody's going to trawl through all that information, who's going to oversee it? If your question is, can't be bothered to do that, then, you know, bow down to your new forever masters because they ain't going nowhere. Natalie. I think you summed it up. Okay, cool. <laughs> You're a hard act to follow, <laughs> especially with the accent. I, I don't know. Well, just put sorry. an accent on then. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think I kind of have an accent. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I'll I tell you what, you talked about your birthday a second ago, right? I, and I thought to myself, oh God, when's her birthday? Um, no, it's not today, don't worry. Okay, fine. <laughs> so, so I actually went on Google and I typed in Natalie Winter's birthday. And oh God. if you're done, by the way, with your news, we're going to have a fun moment here. Are you done with the news? Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll do another podcast soon where we get into all the Wuhan stories. Yes, yes. We'll do the Wuhan thing. Here's what I think we're going to do in the future, by the way, because I know the podcast is right now a little bit sporadic. We're going to do, we're going to record it at least once a week, at least Saturdays, right? For, for listening and release on Saturday evenings, but listening predominantly, I think, on Sundays. People really want that. And, and, and I think that is a good pattern for us to get into. Um, a little bit more time about it people can take it a little bit more easy listening to me on your way to Target or to church or whatever it is um but i think that is that is you know that is my plan at least if i can get out of dc by the way because that's that's what's Please? really killing me at the moment um listen i i i tap tap tapped into google a minute ago Natalie Winter's birthday and this this website I get, I don't know if you've seen these websites before but they just kind of like are written by bots um and they and they try oh, and no. make like wiki pages about people so the title of this one is um who is Natalie Winter's journalist know her <laughs> husband and family that's news to me <laughs> so Let's start this article. By the way, this was not planned. I just came across this, but it's too good to not do. Okay, so Natalie Winters is an American journalist and reporter for the National Pulse. So far, so good. Natalie is a senior investigative reporter at the National Pulse. She writes one of the most sensational and opinionated news for the paper. Furthermore, she also produces the famous The National Pulse TV show. Though Winters writes about everyone, how is she personally? Find everything about her in this article below. And then it's broken down into subsections, and we are going to read them. Um, who is Natalie Winters' husband? Natalie Winters doesn't have a husband, as she is not married to her soulmate. <laughs> so, so it's obvious that she doesn't have any children yet. Likewise, she is very reserved about her personal lifestyle. So details about Natalie Winter's partner or, or boyfriend are also scarce. Any comment on that? <laughs> we'll keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, we're not done. Natalie's age and Wikipedia bio. Natalie Winter seems around the age of 20s old. <laughs> The young reporter's exact birthday and sun sign are unknown facts. Nevertheless, she is a resident of the Washington area in the District of Columbia. Oh, that's not true. The, yeah, Wiki the Wikipedia bio for Natalie Winters is yet to arrive, but she does have a Twitter <laughs> profile with over 26k <laughs> followers. Similar I have over 73. Huh? I have like over 70,000. Well, this Why is obviously they... written a while ago by this bot. Um... 
<laughs> Similarly, you can find her tweets as at Natalie G Winters. Furthermore, her Instagram handle is at Natalie G Winters. Some facts on Natalie Winters. Oh, no. These are like quick facts. I feel like we should have some music. <laughs> quick facts on Natalie Winters. I'm your host, Ooh. Raheem Kassam. Um, number one. <laughs> Natalie Winters completed her bachelor's degree from the University of Chicago. Similarly, her major was political science. Moreover, she attended Harvard Westlake School. Number two, Natalie stands at a decent height with a curvy body figure. <laughs> However, her body measurements are not known. Besides, she owns, she owns brown hair and brown eyes. The, I own. Yeah, it doesn't say you, they are yours. Number three, the net worth for Natalie Winters is under review right now, but she does yield a high earning as in 2021. This is even evident from her fancy lifestyle. Oh. Dang. Boss, not a me like that. Number four. The Winters family are very proud of Natalie's career. However, they prefer to protect their identity. <laughs> what? Oh, this is amazing. Um, number five. The journalist is an avid animal lover. She even owns a dog named Rosie. In fact, they love traveling together. Is that true? I do own a dog, just like I own brown hair and brown eyes. Um, but we don't, we don't travel that much. I'm curious. Okay. How they uh, piece that together? Number six, the last one, and the lot, and the, in this the is end. Probably of this the article. most accurate one. Yeah. Number six, Natalie. Have you put? Uh, you've pulled this up so you can see what I'm about to say. Yeah. Natalie <laughs> has written many political articles for the National Pulse. Her writing was even praised by the former White House chief strategist Steve Bannon. Wow. How about that? I love this article, and I think we're going to cross-post this over at the National Pulse so people can get to know Obviously. you better. Well, you know what? Well, it's so good. I feel like we could put this behind a paywall. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It'll be our first paywalled <laughs> article about Natalie Winter's non-existent husband. Um, and, my, and my soulmate, yeah. She has not married her soulmate yet, and that's evidently why she doesn't have children yet. Um <laughs> Nice traditional way of looking at things by the book yeah, that put that based, article together. Wiki.projecttopic.org. <laughs> well, this has been more fun than I thought it would be because I, I really do struggle to sit in front of this microphone. And you can always probably hear me like fidgeting with it. I'm always moving this microphone around just because I can't sit still. I'm, not, I'm actually going to go for a run right now as well because I can't sit still. It's all that iron that you made me start taking. Now I'm all like jittery off iron. Um, Natalie, anything Everyone else? should take iron supplements. Well, don't give You're medical advice either. on the pot. We'll get Joe Rogan. <laughs> um, I have never said the N-word. Um, no, the big, big iron. <laughs> <laughs> big <laughs> iron. Big. I'm, I'm more of a steamer. I like, a, I like to steam my clothes. Um, anything else before we let you go? Uh, well, I got to get back to my, owning my brown hair and mm. got to find my soulmate. Mm -hmm. uh, and Rumor my fancy it. lifestyle. Rumor has it yeah. you already found your soulmate. I'm just saying, just saying, <laughs> gentlemen out there who constantly text me about getting Natalie's number. She might have found her soulmate. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> All right, Natalie. I will let you go. Make sure Thank you're following you Natalie at Natalie G Winters across the board, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Bye.
Um, just before I let you go, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to thank a lot of our new supporters over at fundrealnews.com. And one of the smaller perks is that you get a little thank you from me on air. So I want to thank uh, Tom with an H, um, Kevin, Jimmy, Matthew, Rhonda, John, Chrissy, TJ, Henry, Anthony, David, Johnny, uh, Michelle with one L, Joanne, Sean, Susan, Thomas, James, Chris, Edward, Stephen, Amy, Brian, Andrew, John, Jeffrey, Kathy, Jean, Kimberly, Gary, Frank, Arlene, come on Arlene, uh, Ronald, Josiah, good name, David, Georgette, John, Jenny, William, Paul, Sally, Leonard, Richard, Paul, Judy, Robert, Ross, Shannon, Lou, Bruce, Ross, Eleanor. I've still got like two pages to go here. Wow. Kent, Charles, Sam, Pam, Thomas, Brian, and Pamela, Laura, Dawn, Kristen, Rhonda, Paul, John, Cheryl, Jeffrey, Stanley, Judy, George, Mary, Catherine, Janet, who would have thought listening to a British guy just reading people's names out would be so entertaining? Dave, Liz, Paul, Kimberly, Bernadette, Brenda, A.B., Laura, Mary Jo, Diane, Mary Beth, Michael, Joan, Jamie, or Jamie? It's not an E at the end. Jamie. You're Jamie now. Paul, Leslie, Darcy, Darcy, Dennis, Catherine, and Susanna. Thank you all for your support we are incredibly grateful for it if you want to be part of the team part of the squad go to uh, fundrealnews.com jump in our discord live chat i've got a new sub stack which is just like my blog more cultural stuff things that are just it's kind of just like raheem's observational comedy combined with some i do like a day in the life of i did like mark milley last week the week before that i did somebody who took their um advice from jen saki and had a margarita and went kickboxing just fun stuff, raheemkassam.substack.com. I'll put the link in the description here on the podcast. Got a new Newsweek column out today as well. Uh, Canada's politicians have only themselves to blame for the trucker protest. That's by me, yours truly, at newsweek.com in the opinion section. Make sure you go and check it out. It's on all our social media profiles on getter.com. That's my favorite. And, um, you know, I guess we leave it there. Until next time. Oh, by the way, just came back from Miami. Had a couple of events we were doing down there. Fantastic. Never thought I'd like Miami. Really enjoyed it. Florida's the best. So envious of those of you who get to live down in Florida. Hey, if you have a spare apartment in Florida, I really, I would like it. Thank you. Um, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been Raheem Kassam. Thanks to Natalie Winters, all the team, everybody who is involved in putting this podcast together, running the National Poll, Sandy and the whole team. And I'll catch you next time.